get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where we are joined by the voice of the Blues. He is also the voice for Behind the Bench, which you can hear tonight with Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube live on 101 ESPN from 6 to 7 o'clock. Curbs, how you doing today, man? I am good, uh, BK. I am uh, getting a couple things done and... Uh just looking forward to the show tonight. Fantastic. Well, let's start with that because I want to ask you about your conversation with Craig Berube in particular. Uh, were you able to find out, like, is he in St. Louis at this point? Is he coming back to St. Louis soon? What's his plan for how to deal with this phase two and then hopefully soon coming up into phase three? Yeah, he'll be uh, returning to St. Louis later than the, this week. He's been spending his time at his home in uh, the Philadelphia area. So he will be home uh Back in St. Louis, I think Thursday or Friday. Uh, the good thing for them right now is they have the ability to start planning ahead and um, knowing now who they're going to play. Like, they know they're going to have a game against Colorado. They know they'll have one against Vegas and against Dallas. And then they can also start to kind of hone in a little bit and see who they could be possibly playing. You know, uh, no, yes, it is one of potentially eight teams. You know, but, but they, they can start corralling their notes a little bit. They have not had a whole lot of conversations yet in terms of how they're going to run camp, uh, at least with Doug Armstrong, and how they're going to work in some of the taxi squad, things along those kind of lines. But the one thing that uh, I definitely get when I talk to Craig Berube is he is already has that mindset of you are going to have to be mentally tough to succeed in this restart, and I think that he's got a team that can do that. Yeah, Curbs, I agree 100%. Obviously, that's what the Blues championship season was built on last year. Uh, I just wanted to go back a little bit, obviously talking to Doug Armstrong, Craig Berube, and I'm not asking you to to give us all the details now because I want everybody to listen tonight. It's going to be a great show. But were did they talk at all about the fact that really none of the players have gone to the facility yet and gotten on the ice for Phase 2? Is this something that they're worried about, or are they just quite comfortable with all that? I don't get the sense that there's any worry about that because the reality of it is is if you're not going to start the training camp portion until around July 10th, which I believe is the earliest they could do it, you're not starting the games in whatever the hub cities are until probably that first week of August. And so if, if that time frame is the case, you're talking about a scenario where the guys will be on the ice very regularly, if not every day, for six straight weeks 
And I think that they feel that that's enough time, whether it be the older guys or the younger guys, to take care of what they need to take care of. So I, I get the sense that they didn't feel that they need to rush into uh, phase two right now. And uh, they, they've had this date around the 22nd set now for a little while. You know, I can tell you from some other conversations that, you know, the, the team – the team is obviously you've got to follow the, the guidelines of the CDC, the local governments, all that kind of stuff. But they've also connected with some of the Washington University doctors and things and, and to make sure that even their own policies and how they're going to do things are in place. And, and I think getting getting to a little later in, in June is going to give them a chance to get everything down pat that they want. Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Curbs, earlier today we talked about what this layoff is going to mean for the Blues. And I looked up earlier this morning, and the Penguins are the only team in the last 20 years to actually go back-to-back on Cups. It was 2016 and 2017. It's unbelievably difficult to do, and we all know that. And part of it is the grind of going from one season right into the next and then trying to go on another run to the Cup. Do you think this could actually end up being a good thing for the Blues, that they're able to have a little bit of time to rest and recuperate before they try to do this again? You know, trying to think that through, uh, it, it's always it's sort of like that debate. Well, was it better that you swept the team and had five days off, or which, you know, but the other team was playing, or was it better if you had just been going right into the next series? And I think stats are going to prove that it's about fifty-fifty somehow. But I look for every benefit that the Blues are going to get by the pause. So is every other team, and so I don't know how that's going to wash out or negate what the benefits are going to be. However, I have to think if you're the St. Louis Blues, a non-banged-up, healthy Oscar Sundquist ready to go. Vladimir Tarasenko's shoulder just got three more months to get stronger. But I don't think... If Vladimir Tarasenko came back to play in, in early April, the last week of the regular season, which they were shooting for, I don't think you could say he was 100%. I think you got a much better chance of saying he's 100%. And I'm not saying that the team wouldn't have said that. I just don't believe, to be honest with you, having watched shoulder injuries over the the course of the years, that those things are are really fully healed enough in six months. So uh, I think it's it's beneficial for that. Now, McKinnon is healthy for Colorado. Seth Jones and a whole host of Columbus Blue Jackets are healthy, as we talk about. Klingberg is healthy. I mean, look, everybody is in the same boat. And now you've got teams like the Chicago Blackhawks, the Montreal Canadiens, some teams that felt that they were out of it. Now have a, a legitimate, I mean, a real legitimate second crack at the Stanley Cup this year when their mental attitude might have been, we are done. And I think that could be a very dangerous proposition for some teams. Curbs, talking about Stanley Cup, uh, yeah, I want to go back a year. Okay, and because Game Six, you know, had come into St. Louis, and, and the Blues, we know the outcome. They did; they didn't win in Game Six. But I want to talk about the atmosphere downtown. I was able to get down there and, and doing some work for Fox, and I know you guys were doing all your thing. But how amazing was that setting last year at this time? As we're talking about Stanley Cup for this year potentially, but last year the scene downtown, Game Six specifically. How great was that? Well, the atmosphere is, I think, what just puts everything over the top. That great Brett Hull quote of, you know, we wouldn't be here without the fans is so true because 
it wasn't just the games itself. Uh, I mean, going and doing some of the pep rallies uh, an hour and a half before the game time and getting in a golf cart because you had to hold the pep rallies halfway down Market Street just to hold the crowds and, you know, just trying to get over there and around and the cooperation between the team, the city, the police, security, everything that, that was involved. Um, and, and then, you know, the way the crowds handled it with respect and, and just, just hanging out with their fellow fan, it was really something awesome, Jamie. And like even uh, that first Stanley Cup final game, game three, even though the Blues lost that game, that atmosphere, that whole game was unbelievable. You know, right to, right to the very end, people knew that, hey, there was a first time in 50 years, 49 years, you had seen a Stanley Cup final game in St. Louis. I think there was a terrific, complete understanding of just the special aspect of that moment since it had been so long since fans in St. Louis had experienced it. Yeah, Curbs, look, I was blown away by it. It actually, you know, for all the years I played and to experience that on the other side of it, was pretty incredible, but now I want to fast forward just a little bit, and and you have a little more of an inside seat at the table as to the St. Louis Blues. Let's just, they just lost Game Six, you got Game Seven back in Boston. The team elects to travel, I guess, a day earlier than they should have, or that they could have. That plane, that atmosphere. What could you tell by the players' body language that lets you know that hey, things they're going to be all right. Because nothing felt different. It's just that simple. Nothing felt different. It didn't, I'm telling you, it's, it's one of the coolest aspects of the entire season once the Craig Berube culture took over. It just didn't matter. It, it, nothing seemed to phase them. And I said this morning to the, to the Riz Show guys, I, I said, you just, and, and, and honestly, I got to tell you, Jamie, it carried into this season. You lost Vladimir Tarasenko in October. You know he's basically done for the year. And this team still, except for, I think, what, two days, was top, the top team in the Western Conference all season long from the beginning of November. I mean, it, it really is something else. It, this team, Ken Hitchcock said that the team will be ready to win when the players take over. And I think the players took over. I understand what he meant by that now. And, and they controlled those situations. They controlled the emotion. You could get clobbered. And if you just, if you just looked at the demeanor and talked with Alexander Steen, you're like, boy, there's not an ounce of worry. But if you had gone back to when the team had gone to rock bottom in, in, in you know, the mid 2000s, 07, 08, 06, right? And you're bringing in young kids. You could see on the faces. You could hear in the voices. You could see in their actions. You know, the old pucker factor when it would, when it would start to creep in. You know, or when things wouldn't go your way. You know how, you know how teams kind of start, they're losing those one-goal games, and they're, that old phrase, they're finding ways to lose. Well, this team became a champion because they're not only did they not find ways to lose, they not, and not only did they find ways to win, they knew they could find ways to win. And my goodness, was that attitude powerful. We're talking with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerver here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Tonight from 6 to 7 o'clock, you'll hear Behind the Bench with Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube as Kerber's guests. I don't think I've ever asked you this, Kerbs, but we talked about it a little bit, I think, last week here on the show. Who's your favorite Blues player to watch? I'm not, I'm not saying, like, personally, but you as a broadcaster watching them out on the ice, who's the guy that you just enjoy the hell out of watching every single night? 
Oh, that's that's almost an impossible answer right now. Um, you know, I. I so for me, curves just. Look, to, I think. I think. I think you go, you listen, you, you get to the edge of your seat anytime Vladimir Tarasenko touches that puck in the offensive zone because he can shoot it and snipe it. Um, Colton Pareko skating end to end. And now, especially as we saw towards uh, the break, towards the pause, the way he was unleashing that shot and the confidence that, that he got to um, was something else. And, guys, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think I think he's going to – He's worth the price of admission. I, I just listened to an interview with Jeff Rimmer, and he was talking about Seth Jones. If you think about Seth Jones getting drafted third overall, I think it was, or pretty high up by Columbus, and eventually traded to Nashville, or I'm sorry, by Nashville, and then traded to Columbus, you know, and then still had to grow into his own. Seth Jones has a couple more years' experience than Colton Pareko. And, and Colton Pareko is still, I mean, this is still his fifth season in the National Hockey League. Look at what Alex Petrangelo has done in the last couple of years as he's approached his tenth year in the league. So, I, man, I I look at that big CP fifty five and go, my goodness, could I mean, just could become an absolute dominant player in the National Hockey League. And I, I don't, Jamie. I, I mean, look, you played the position. You know better than, than I do. It takes it, it takes longer. These defensemen, the way they develop, and it's when certain things start to click when you get. You know that year six, seven, eight, whatever it may be. I don't think it's that big of a limb to think that he could become the the, the most dominant defenseman in the league at some point. Yeah, curves. I agree, and it does take longer, and especially in today's NHL. Like when I was coming in the league, you still had the opportunity to kind of clutch and grab and hang on to some guys and battle physically. But now it's, you know, foot speed, angles, quick thinking, puck handling, all these things that are, are you know, under one umbrella. And, yeah, Colton Pareko is, his development has been incredible. So I would agree with you. I think that the big boy, the Ivan Drago lookalike, <laughs> I think he's exciting as heck to watch. You know what, the, the other one, too, I, I got to tell you, I absolutely love watching Jordan Bennington play because even when things don't go well, you know there's going to be a little feistiness in the crease. He's not afraid to put a stick where it might make a guy sing an octave <laughs> higher. He, he's not afraid to chop a guy and to stir it up a little bit. So I, I put him on the list, too. It's just the fun ones to watch. He's Chris Kerber. You'll hear him tonight from 6 to 7 o'clock behind the bench with Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube as his guest. He is the voice of the Blues. He joins us each and every week right here on Ribs and BK. Kerbs, we always appreciate the time, man. We'll talk with you again next week. Okay, guys, have a great week. See you soon. Absolutely. That's Chris Kerber joining us here on Ribs and BK. It's 116. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Next week, Jamie, and you remind me of this, I want to ask him who his favorite guy is to watch when they come into town. Who's the guy around the league that we he knows? We don't like any of them, BK. As a broadcaster. Dumb question. Come that's on. My, that's my answer. As a broadcaster. Like, Jamie, who's your favorite player non-blues to watch right now? Non-blues, you're just like, when you turn on the game, you know this is going to be worth whatever I invest over the next three hours to watch this game. Yeah, uh, look, I've always liked Jamie Benn as a player, and I know that that's like people are like, oh my God, what did he just say? We hate Jamie Benn, and that's why you hate him. That's exactly why you hate him. And I know he's getting up there, he's getting older and whatnot, but I just, I'm a sucker for that style of play, that power forward, 
that can put the puck in the back of the net, can put your teeth in the back of your throat if you're not careful. Like, that's the kind of, I love watching those players that can do a little bit of everything and and excel as leaders, too. So, Jamie Benn comes to mind. Um, you know, some of the, uh, another public enemy that I know people hate, but I like Tom Wilson, too. And he's a cheap shot guy and all this stuff, but he brings it every night. He's putting in 20 goals a season, 20 goals plus, playing on a power play. I like those guys, those heart and soul type players. So if I'm going off the board away from the Blues, to which the Blues are flooded with guys like that, I think that's why I love the team so much right now. Uh, those would be two guys I think of. Is there anybody that immediately comes to mind for you, Alex? Nate McKinnon, right now, and I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. I'm saying somebody that everybody despises in the NHL, but McKinnon's kind of that guy that Curbs just said about Tarasenko. Puts you on your, your edge of your seat when you know he has the puck on his stick because how fast he's going to be. Um, uh, honestly, not to sound like the homer, but Colton Pareko right now because McKinnon was my favorite. The fav- question was non blue, <laughs> oh, Alex. Oh, I don't. You guys know I don't pay attention. That's what happens you when know? you wake him up from a nap. That's true, actually. I'll stick with McKinnon. McKinnon's good. <laughs> I'll stick with that one. Can I do... Hold on. Can I do a... Uh, McKinnon is the one that I like to watch. That's a not hack, a blue. He's a heck of a hockey player. Heck of a hockey sure. player. The guy for me, and this is going to be another one that gets us in trouble, Patrick oh, Kane. Oh. His speed. It's just... When he, when he was at his absolute peak, the speed that he played with was just incredible. So I, I know that's going to get me in trouble as well. But. They're going to hate all of us right now. Yeah. But the we reason just, we're saying these people is because they're the best players on the opposing teams that we hate the most. Mm-hmm. And that's why we hate them is because right. they're good. You hate them, but you respect exactly. them. Exactly. How would you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want? I'll have an old fashioned. I'll have a margarita. Now you can with the Bartesian Home Cocktail Maker. Bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button. Choose from over 50 different cocktails, from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today. You'll always get freshly mixed, perfectly balanced cocktails with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. And now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday. Entertaining? The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever, only at bartesian.com holiday.